Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Welcome back to another edition of the Internet's Most Dangerous Tottenham Hotspur Podcast. It's Wheeler Dealer Radio. I'm your host, Greg, and we're back to talk about another North London Derby, and it is surprisingly depressing. Uh, maybe not, if you think about North London Derbies. Uh, before we get started, we have a little bit of podcast business to get to. Follow our Twitter account, at WDRPodcast on Twitter.com. And also, don't forget to you know go on iTunes and acknowledge us. Everybody's acknowledging us. You should acknowledge us, too. Uh, leave us a nice review. I, as I have said before, we are very good boys, and we deserve it. Now, we have a thoroughly depressing 3-1 loss to Arsenal to talk about. But before we get into that, uh, I want to introduce my lovely co-hosts. Uh, coming to us uh, live from the slopes of Miami, it is Brian Ashlock. Brian, how have you coped with this uh, defeat? Um, by mostly not watching a lot of it. Um, but then there's, you know, the discourse. And the discourse is unavoidable, I think, as we all know. So um, I haven't coped well, I think, overall. <laughs> and uh, from slightly further north than that, from Atlanta, Georgia, we have Ben Daniels. Ben, are you still married? Uh, yeah, still married, still going great. We're about to get a van and go on the road and live like a, a van life, road tripping around the country, and we'll just see where that takes us. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't, oh, no. <laughs> English listeners, just do, you know, listen to a true crime podcast, follow, follow, do a, do a little Google searching, it'll come to you. Uh, ben, I'm not sure how much of this game we actually want to talk about, so let's talk about your marriage at first. What is it like watching, not, not that, I'm sure we do have listeners uh, who know what it's like to watch this with an Arsenal fan, let alone one that they're married to. I'm sure to. we don't. But no what's it like? No one else is stupid. I mean, is it? Do you guys compartmentalize it? Do you get into fights? Do you just not talk to each other for a while? Do you do you watch it in the same room? How does this go? I know you're more of a hardcore Spurs fan than she is an Arsenal fan. So, yeah, we used to watch it in separate rooms. Like we like so going all the way back. Our first our first date was a North London derby in 2011. Um, Kyle Walker scored the winner and saved me from probably reacting so badly that. Our, our relationship ended right there. Um, but, you know, and that was like a real, like, n- love is new. Anything is possible. I was very gracious as a winner. Um, that, that is hard for me to believe. And I have spent lots of time, not just around you, but around you and your wife. So. I mean, look, I was trying to get laid, you know. <laughs> I was cross-pressured between my normal store winner being a piece of shit self and, like, trying to fuck uh so you know fast forward several years and yeah we started watching games in separate rooms because i would just not handle it well um and this season i i just felt good enough about you know that chelsea and wolves half performance and arsenal being terrible that i was like yeah we can watch it in the same room. Fresh I will be off, great to Fresh off a week where you maybe said the only positive things you've ever said about a manager employed by Tottenham Hotspur. There was no other way this was going to go, right? <laughs> like, I got out over my skis. Um, the worst part about it is whenever Arsenal score, she responds with a tiny little round of applause that makes you want to put a nice pick through her brain. It's so- just like... These tiny little claps that I just I just can't live with. So is this like a genuine reaction that she does with Arsenal scores generally, or is she just doing it to screw with you? No, no, it's not performative. She's not that mean. I'm I'm the terrible person in this relationship. She is perfectly lovely. Um, that is just her genuine outpouring of emotion that manifests in this little little clappy 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 that I just I it's. It's so much. If she just like gotten up and started cheering and screaming, like that would have been more tolerable than just 
It's just a warp <laughs> sound. And to hear it three times in like the span of a half an hour, it's just I I lost it. <laughs> did you actually lose it, or did you have to leave the I, room? I left. Or... And I wasn't like a dick, but I left. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, not a fun match. It was it was not a fun match. I think my my sort of as I was before we get going. <laughs> what were you saying, Ben? We introduced Brian. Yeah, yeah, we talked about slopes. We talked about his poor coping. I mean, I should not make oh another guys. drug joke. <laughs> We're not going to get to Brian. Um, I just know that I... No, I Brian and I have this... We, I'm imagining we have the same significant other experience uh, watching this game as each other, which is our wives hope Spurs win so we're in a good mood for the rest of the day, which did not happen this week. Yeah, no, I mean, very much um, that is the general situation. And um, I had mostly cleared my Sunday anyway to, like, avoid that issue. Like, I had to do stuff on Saturday and be personable and sociable, which is always a struggle, uh, to be perfectly frank. I have to do it for a couple hours here with you guys and then, you know, maybe once a week otherwise. And it's just a lot of work. Um, and, um, I didn't have to do that on Sunday, which was great because, um, I just (laughs) didn't want to have to talk to anybody, but it was just, you know, because of the way it happened, I think I had more time to just process it. It wasn't like we lost it late or we were the better team, but it was just like, we got hammered in the first 30 minutes and then you had the next 60 to just kind of sit there and see yeah it's it's it was over so fast and i mean i know we'll we'll talk about the sort of run of play later on and we looked better later <laughs> on but you're right you just got to sit there and stew and i mean i think the angriest i've been during a north london derby was that i think it was pochettino's last season or not, his, I guess his last full season where it was like we lost 4-2 to them and we went up, I think it was like a 2-1 game or something at one point and they just had our number and I think it was just right ahead of Spurs kind of going on the skids in the league and I just remember being just furious about the way we threw that game away, about the way we let Arsenal play, you know, I was never very high on um, Emery so watching him sort of outcoach us in that game really made me pissed. But, man, I was just kind of like, like you said, Bray, it's just sort of, it's over early and you're just mad about it, but you're just sort of like, it kind of just was what it was. And it was really sort of, in a lot of ways, it was kind of like back to the end of last season, like, or at least the maybe not the latter days of Mourinho, but like, where it just all feels like a foregone conclusion. And it's weird to say that because we had looked promising as Ben so effusively described last week uh and people like nathan clark on twitter i mean we had looked better in the last couple games and i just don't know what nuno was doing because he didn't build on any of that it's not like we tried the shit we've been trying and arsenal just took us to the cleaners i mean we just it was a ridiculous setup well i think i think you kind of hit on something is it really did kind of feel like the last few seasons where you know, it was kick it long and defend, and it was a weird setup that the players didn't really execute well, and there weren't, you know, a, you know, good enough adjustments, and, you know, it was Hugo attempting to bail us out while our midfield, like, jogged around, and Harry Kane didn't do... It's like... It was, it was basically Latter-day Mourinho. It was Latter-day Pochettino... And we're in what the sixth match of the Premier League, like that's not a good sign. But it, um, it also the flip side of this, though, I thought, and Ben is a as a with a partisan interest in your household. I'm curious what you think of this. Is like it really felt to me, this is what it must have been like to be on the other end of one of Mourinho Spurs good games because as bad as we were, I didn't think Arsenal were great, and they just hit the three shots they took. And, you know, I don't want to get into the second half right now because, like, game state and, you know, they didn't really need to put their foot on the gas. But it felt like this was being on the other end of 
a good Mourinho Spurs performance where you're like, oh, they just hit all their shots and, you know, what do you do about that? And then they just manage the game well enough after that. I mean, you're right. They had six shots and scored three of them. And, yeah, that was a little unlucky. But, you know, the chances they created were just a complete indictment yes, <laughs> of everything yes. we were doing that day. <laughs> like, they would just counter us you know, the full length of the pitch and everybody looked at C. Um, you know, I think the, the the third goal where Harry Kane was at the edge of their box and trips over his own feet and falls over, turns the ball over, runs all the way back and slide tackles it into Saka's path for him to hit the home the third is like just the perfect microcosm of, of that entire performance. Oh, I thought just... the first goal was it where... Arsenal, like, got past one man, and then just nobody was where they were supposed to be. And they scored with, at first blush, when you're watching it on TV, you're like, it's if you're a neutral, you're like, oh, that's kind of a nice goal. And then you watch a replay of it, and you're like, why isn't he being marked? Why isn't anyone covering him? How did he get so far down? It's just, it's it's rudimentary shit. And I, I, I don't, I've, I've kind of defended Nuno a little bit in terms of, like, what he's been dealing with via the squad. But I, I want to say this is the first game, I mean, between the importance of it and between how many guys were back, there's no excuses for this game. Virtually everyone was available. Unless, you know, Romero or Lacelso is fighting an injury we don't know about. Everyone was available. Like, these guys are all rested enough at this point. Like, they should have been ready for this match. And they weren't. And, I mean, you know, he, Nuno didn't have them ready. They didn't play well. He sat guys that he pro- probably shouldn't have sat. I just, uh, there's no excuses for how we played. Like, I think there's a lot of excuses for matches early in the year, but there's no excuses for what happened this weekend. And it's not just because it's Arsenal, but it's also because it's Arsenal. And, I mean, I, I joked, you know, when we when we got Ryan Mason in about how, you know, like, I think, you know, passion and playing hard and getting stuck in is stupid. Um, but I think that's stupid as a strategy. strategy. Ugh. Um, but when you're doing other tactical things and then you are also not, you know, playing with passion or effort or attempting to get stuck in, you look like this and it's just like, you know, like the, your dad kind of football stuff where it's like, they're set, we're second to every ball. We're not going in, in, you know, like that's very body languagey reading type stuff, which I don't like to do, but like. It's just, it's so frustrating to watch, you know, an Arsenal team that was, what, no goals through the first three matches, like one or two shots, I think, all, you know, those first three matches, and then just play us off the park in those first 30 minutes. And, and, And like you said, I thought that first goal was the real kind of microcosm where, you have Hoiberg and Ndombele just kind of leisurely jogging behind the play. And it's just like, that's the type of stuff that we used to kill Winks and Sissoko for. And, you know, Delhi doesn't track a runner. Um, you know, Sanchez and, and Dyer aren't aware of who's around them. Like, it's just, it's the worst of all of the Spurs team. But with better players, it's so fucking stupid. It, but I think... You know, you can talk about better players, but it's also a matter of of tactics. And it was a clear game plan to do the things we did. And that, you know, in Nuno's credit, I guess, he fessed up to. Like, yeah, he got it wrong. And I don't know if I said this in the last pod because I was feeling good about the Wolves' performance after the Chelsea performance, but I definitely tweeted at the time, you know, we need to learn the correct lessons from this Chelsea match. And that is, we played well in the first half. And that is a viable strategy to get results going forward, even though it ended up being so bad in, in the end. And at, at the you know first time of asking in the league, in an important match against you know our rivals, we didn't do that. We threw all of that out the window. We asked our midfield to stand high up the pitch and not play midfield. Like we just we came out there with no semblance of the thing that was working, and no semblance of like the worst strategy that got us three results at the beginning of the season it was just i don't know what the plan was it wasn't like this aggressive 
press with like good passing in midfield. It wasn't this like hyper conservative, defensive, boring tedium. It was just it was just nothing. If you're gonna see the midfield, like why isn't Skip out there to shield the defense? If you're gonna, you know, we're not having guys run into channels. We're not. It was it was totally like, say what you want about Mourinho. He sucked, but like at least he like early on. He was, like, sort of building these counterattacks into his games, and they popped for a while, and it's just, there was just nothing. And and going back to what Brian said, like, again, I find it, you know, I don't want to talk about desire and effort too much because I generally think they're overrated and stupid concepts, but there is this is a derby match. And even if you're new to Spurs, you're not, like, inculcated in club culture. You know, you haven't been here for the good years and seen what it means. Like, you know... Like, it's a Derby game. Like, these guys have all played in Derby games. I'm sure Wolves played Benfica at some point. You know, they should know what this means for, for the fans and the team and whatever. And it's maybe the one game a year, okay, the one game a year plus Chelsea, where I want to see these players get stuck in. Like, I want to see effort. I want to see them, like, busting their ass, getting, like you said, Brian, I, I don't want to see them second to every ball. You know, I do want to see effort. I want to see some demonstration that they understand we are playing this team's biggest rival. And this game means something to the to the fans, and it's just you know, and I don't want to get. I generally don't like getting too carried away with that because you know we talk about body language and all that, and you know half the time that doesn't mean anything, if not more of the time. But it's just Jesus. Like it's one thing not to have a plan; it's another thing to not try. I mean, I I mean, I think that there's that 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 narrative of like the players phoned it in has been like very prominent in the conversation, but. I mean, we played fucking Lucas Mora in central midfield for, like, most of that first half. Like, that was a, a decision that Nuno made. He looked at what was happening on the pitch and was like, Deli, you go forward. Lucas, you're my central midfielder. And, like, yes, you can talk about effort and, like, trying hard, but, like, when that is, like, the fundamentals that you're, you're set out with, what hope do you have? Yeah, I mean, but it's I, just that's nonsensical. what I mean. Like, I don't think, that, I don't think effort's the reason we lost. Like a guy like Deli Alley's been here for a while. Deli Alley, who we know understands this rival, who we know will put in a dirty tackle and like against Arsenal. You know, we saw him do it in the fucking preseason, and I understand that this is demoralizing and depressing. And Spurs have not been a fun place to be, probably most of this year and like, you know, most of the last couple of years. But you know, it's just God, like, give me, throw me a bone at least, you know, like. I, I mean, I think they were doing the things that Nuno asked them to do. Like, oh. I don't know that it was like the players just like didn't care. They were told to do things, and they did it, and they did it stupidly because that's what they were asked to do. But like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fault Delhi not tracking back from the front line to like track a midfield runner when he's being asked to play, you know, so far away from his center backs in the first place. Like, it's just. Like, it's their fault because they're the guys out there on the pitch, but it's it's not their fault. Like, we've seen them play it's very the well. We lost. I just, like, I'm just looking for anything to hang on to in this match, and that would have been, you know, something like that would have been. I mean, again, I probably wouldn't give a shit if we, if we gotten that. If, I mean, here's here's the what I would say about that narrative is you look at Harry Kane in the first half, and he was completely invisible, looked like he didn't give a shit, looked like he was dreaming of you know the beaches of manchester and you know i was like fucking sell harry kane at halftime fuck this guy and then the second half rolls around and yes arsenal stands off because they're up three nil but we change the way we play and suddenly harry kane has like five or six shots playing as a real striker not this stupid fucking half 10 nonsense that you know he was asked to play and like even a checked-out Harry Kane, while we're down 3-0, suddenly found it in himself to, like, play striker again. And I, I don't think it's like Harry Kane decided to start caring about the game at halftime. It's Nuno made changes to how we played at halftime, and suddenly everything looked a lot brighter. And it was just like... You could, you could see that all around the pitch. It wasn't just Harry Kane, but I think he's the easiest example to point to. It's just he stopped, he didn't do anything, and then suddenly was, like, firing off shots like a madman. I don't know. Watching like, guys like Hoiberg stroll around in the first half. I mean, you're right. The tactics are the reason that we didn't produce. They're the reason that this game wasn't more of a game. But just, 
you know, like it's not just hacking. Like the like I mean, again, again, Hoiberg's supposed to be a defensive midfielder, and he's just like lollygagging around, and it's just it's fucking frustrating to watch. And I am fixating on it because it is frustrating to watch, as opposed to helpful or informative about how we played. But ugh, I mean, it's it's frustrating. It's really frustrating to watch right now. And this game in particular was, I mean, you know, we we've had two really bad losses to in two derbies in about three weeks, and it's not fun. Yeah, and and I think it's also frustrating because you know the the players that Arsenal is using to succeed in this match are you know homegrown North London players who very obviously this meant something to um, you know Smith Rowe, uh like those guys very clearly were very happy to score those goals and um and to you know beat spurs and you know i don't know it's just it was i don't know it it is just painful to watch and the 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 discourse now like wh- where we're at now versus where we were um at the beginning of this month is um it's just incredibly frustrating and and i think my problem is is i just don't know where 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 the, where do we go from here well i think like, that's how where, does this get better uh, that's my i think that's the issue that I mean, where I am with this is, like, so much of what I find frustrating about the team right now is, you know, like, hiring Mourinho was what it was. I think we all recognize this as a mistake much earlier than the club did, you know, if not immediately. But, you know, they made the decision they made, and I don't agree with it, but you can sort of see how they made it. And I think after Mourinho, like, obviously we're all sort of, like, chasing that Pochettino dragon, but I think fundamentally we all wanted something we could kind of dream on at a minimum, you know, like I could have tolerated a fifth or sixth or seventh place finish this year. I mean, I probably have to tolerate those kind of finishes for a while, but you know, that kind of thing would have been a lot more tolerable to me if we were, if it looked like this team was going somewhere, you know, and I think we all know the difference. And again, I don't want to, it's not looking good, but it's still a little early to completely write Nuno off. But you know, I think we all know the difference no, between not. I think it's I think we all know the difference between early days Pochettino and what we're watching now. And you know, it's funny I keep bringing Pochettino up. We keep bringing Pochettino up. Spurs fans everywhere keep bringing Pochettino up. And I think part of what I wanted was somebody anybody that could help us kind of move on. You know, and I don't think it's going to get that good for quite a long time and I don't think we should expect it to. But you just want something you can hope on. And Nuno was, at best, going to be a stabilizing manager who'd be gone in a year or three. Like, at best. And yeah, and, and I think it was tough, because there's not that necessarily that manager there in the offseason. But it's it's just, God, I just, want, I, I just don't want it to be a chore to watch Spurs. Well, I disagree that there wasn't that manager there. I, I mean, you know, so Matt rephrase. Law had his... Let me rephrase. I don't think there's a manager who's as much of a no-brainer as Pochettino. I think even a Graham Potter, which is where this is going, is more of a risk that I think a lot of Spurs fans would acknowledge. Sure, and, and I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna do. I mean, I was gonna say that Matt Law wrote the thing about Graham Potter and whatever, but like I was gonna talk about Eric Ten Hag, who w- was out there and who allegedly was interviewed um, and then signed a new contract with Ajax for whatever reason. And then I don't know, we somehow were linked with him again after we'd gone through five other managers. And I don't, I don't know. I, I, that to me, it wasn't a no brainer in the way that Nogglesman was a no brainer, but like, that's a thing that you can reasonably do. That's a coach of, you know, at least the same profile as Nuno, um, you know, with more European, success and i don't know an actual attacking pedigree um i don't know i just i i think we're all gonna be we all being like the club and the fans are gonna be feeling the effects of the summer's managerial search and the failures that it revealed 
Um, not just in the search itself, but just like the chaos that is inside the club. Like we're going to have to deal with hatchet jobs from people like Matt Law. We're going to have to deal with players being like, eh, do you, you guys really have joined up thinking? Like what's happening here? Like it, there's going to be a lot of after effects. And the fact that we kind of came out of this with a guy that we were like, he's fine for a year or two. I, I don't know. Well, I, I, Brian, even if the only after effect is we have to stall a year before we get someone who's like acceptable. Like that's, you know, that, that was probably my biggest, the, the thing I found most depressing today, which is like, oh, it's another fucking lost season. And that's hopefully not true, but it's just like, we're already there. We're already like, okay, well, we just got to spin our wheels and hopefully next year we get a better manager and, Pape Sar comes back in here, comes here and like kicks ass. It's like, I don't want to like throw a whole season. I was already willing to throw the last couple months of last season away because I was so sick of Mourinho. Like, I don't want to do it for a whole season. I mean, I think that's the thing is when you, when you talk about Nuno as like a stopgap manager, that was like manifestly not the plan. You know, we were looking at managers like Brian said, like Ten Hog, like Potter. I mean, we were looking at Conte and Pochettino and Nagelsmann and whatever, but like we were looking for. We are looking for a real manager, and everybody's boyfriend, Fabio Paratici, is the guy who was like, Nuno is our guy, right? And he apparently put the hard press on Daniel Levy and convinced him that he was the man for the job. And, like, you know, yes, the buck stops with Levy, but, you know, he, he hires this man to do a job, and this is the job he did. And... It was it was wrong. It was and he wanted Gattuso. Wrong. And he wanted Gattuso, like... If it had been for Windy and Company, it's probably Catuso who's our manager right now. Which, right? I, I, yeah, I, I don't see how that's better. So, it's like, probably I, don't, worse. I think like we all when we hired Nuno, we all made peace with it as an as a transitionary manager that we're like, well, we'll get a couple of years out of him, we'll see where we are, and we'll hire him. That was not the club's plan, and that is important. Like, they were hiring the manager of the future. They were hiring the next Pochettino. And they identified Nuno as that guy. And it oh, was see, I disagree wrong. with you. They wanted to hire the next. They wanted to hire that no, guy, they and then they burned all their bridges. They could have hired Graham Potter. They chose not to. Paratici expressly campaigned for Nuno yes. because he was the guy. And, and they are paying Nuno the guy a, to stop gap a year. And they are paying the Nuno a very fireable contract, which I don't think is a coincidence. Well, I mean, Nuno got sacked by Wolves last year. It's not like he had a ton of leverage in the no, fucking no. negotiating room. You know, it's like, yeah, we could hire him on a fireable contract because nobody else wanted him, and the club that he made his bones with didn't want him either. So it was a bad hire with a vision towards a future, and it's gone fucking sideways. And now we are wasting the third season in a row of peak son, peak Harry Kane, who are you know, maybe two of the best players we've ever had. And I don't know what coming back from this looks like. It's just, it, is it, you know, is we'll it likely hire someone else? It's just going to be how ugly does this season get? Cause there's no good caretaker. I, I mean, maybe there are more creative people out there than me. I can't think of a good caretaker situation outside. And this isn't totally unrealistic. PSG fires Pochettino in like November or December or something, and we hire him back, and that's probably going to be a much more fraught reunion than we all think it'll be. So if I mean, do- like there are there are unemployed managers out there, like Rudy Garcia is without a job, Lucien Favre is without a job. Like there are guys. But that if you're we can- Spurs, you want. I mean, look, look, I, you don't want to do what you did with Mourinho. You want your options open in in when the summer hits so you can hire someone so you have more of your pick of the litter which is so do you just say this is a lost season is it like is that the best i think it is i I mean i think you're gonna have to hire one of those guys maybe you find someone maybe it's like harry redknapp it's kind of like it's gonna be what it's gonna be and it works out a lot better than we all hoped um but i just don't know again i think nuno probably like hopefully it's clearly he's aware that he made some mistakes and you just hope he learns his lesson and, you know, can at least steady the ship. It's just, I, I would like us to play well some week for more than 30 minutes or a half. You know, I would like to see us beat the tar out of someone. Um, you know, I'm just tired of caveats and, you know, like, I just want a good performance out of the team. And You know, I mean, like, yes, like, there's hope. We could still bring in guys like Romero and Royale and Brian who are mysteriously on the bench for inferior players this week. 
you know, and like it maybe gets a little bit better. But at this point, all we're doing is just trying to mitigate the damage that's already been done. Like yep. there's no, there's, I don't see a credible way forward where Nuno becomes the manager we all want him to be. Like that seems highly unlikely at this point. And you maybe know, I'm wrong. I think you know, it's, maybe I think it's growing pains, but. I, I think it's. I think there's a there's a realistic world where Nuno stabilizes it and it's like fine for the rest of the year. Now I can still see us firing him after that. In fact, I think it's probably likely. But like, you know, I could see Nuno keeping things steady-ish for the rest of the year. And this is like early season growing pains, and it's only going to get better. But I think it's probably going to be a pretty rocky road. And my guess is we're going to get rid of him somewhere around the middle of the season, and then we're going to find a way to muddle through the rest of the year. And it's not going to be very fun to watch unless we just. Which, unless we just get extraordinarily so lucky, which we haven't done in a, such a long time. Why not fire him tomorrow? Like, if we're going to fire him at the end of the season, if we're going to fire him at the end of the season, why not fire him tomorrow? The only like, reason to what, not fire him tomorrow are, what is who are you going to replace him with? I don't care. Yeah, I, I, like, look, I, I, I am... I, I'm with Greg in that I don't think you've you can realistically fire him tomorrow. Um, fire in December. Like, is that, that's a solution? I guess. I mean, (laughs) I just, I I agree, Ben, that it's not going to get better. And that also, I don't particularly care who we replace him with. Um, But I think that, generally speaking, even if he is on a very fireable contract, you try to give him a little bit more rope. If only for the um, next manager. Like, you, you know, we already we read today about how Graham Potter didn't want to come to Spurs. Didn't want to, like, sully himself under Daniel Leaves. Now, I, I think Law. that... Don't give credence to anything Matt Law writes. Yeah, no, I think that probably has more to do with we came to him at the last minute when we were trying to find anybody, and he was like, no, thank you. I've already got my ducks in a row at Brighton this year. I am reasonably confident if we get to the end of this year and go to Brighton with, like, we'll pay off the rest of his contract, we'll give you a nice fat contract, he's probably going to be our manager next year. But it's just, oh, man, I don't know. It's, it's, I think it'll be hard, hard, harder to hire our next manager if we fire Nuno. Like, barring, again, I think he needs much more negative results than this to get fired this early. Because I don't. I think the next manager is going to be like, we're not Chelsea. We can't spend our way out of it the way they can. Like, they're going to be like, I mean, why would I take the job at Tottenham? I might get fired in three months. Like, nobody is thinking that. Like, nobody who is a professional manager, player, whatever, go looks at the club and is like, they didn't treat so and so well. I shouldn't sign there. They say I'm different because I'm better, and I'm going to be the guy who makes this right. And you're going to pay me a lot of money to do that. Like, let's have a conversation. Like, we yeah. back up a dump truck full of money to Graham Potter or Ten Hogg's house right now. Like, they'll leave. I you know, disagree expensive. with that. It's an, expensive, it's an expensive thing to do, but it's not an impossibility. The only reason we persist with Nuno is because Daniel Levy and Fabio Paratici's, like, reputations are invested in that working out a little better. And they're not willing to cut bait on something that is obviously a bad fit. Even if he's not a bad manager, it is clearly a bad fit for what we want this club to be and what we want this team to play. And there is no giving him rope that's going to change that fact. No, but what I think the flip side of that is is I don't think you're going to get a good. I don't think you're going to good get a good replacement in for him at any time, and you're certainly not going to get it now. So, but like, why? why, So I, I guess to argue Ben's point then. Even if we're not going to get a good replacement, why should we stick with the shitty current manager? Like, why? Why does it? Why does it matter which shitty manager we have? Like, why? Uh, that's why, fair. Like, why I keep? Mean, why keep a shitty Nuno when we could have? I don't know. Norms. Norms. I guess. I don't have a better answer for that other than you just do not see managers get fired this quickly, generally speaking, with the exception of uh, unless you win the Champions League at Chelsea and then you get fired this quickly. <laughs> I mean, like, we can accept that Nuno is a bad manager and say maybe he'll get better. Or we can accept there's a lot of other bad managers out there who might not be as bad. Like, yeah, it costs us money. And maybe financially, you know, the reality is is letting Nuno finish 12th with Spurs is a better financial decision than 
finishing eighth with somebody else because of the money to sack and hire somebody else and then replace them at the end of the year. But, like, I don't care. I don't want to watch this anymore. I am done. Like, I, Man, I got I, some, I, I got some I bad news. I walked out of this match for the first time in 15 years. It's the first time I've ever not finished a game. Like, yeah. that's and where I mean, I'm at. It, it's, it's just frustrating. For, and, not, and not just from a managerial perspective, you know, we talked about Levy and, and Paratici making this decision on the manager, but like we also kind of stopped a little short on some of the squad building stuff this summer, you know? And, and I mean, I think generally speaking on this podcast, we were mostly positive about the transfer window. We thought, you know, this was, we did a good job. We lowered the age profile. We've got in some exciting young players, but what we still failed to do is sign another you know difference making attacker and you know we talked about like oh maybe we can dream on Bergvine maybe Delhi is renewed whatever um but at the end of the day we are still left with guys like Lucas or or Bergvine playing a lot of minutes and we don't have better options I mean we, we have Brian Heal who may be a better option but Nuno seems reluctant to use him and and when we have these games where Harry Kane wants to be a passenger for 45, 50 minutes, like we just have nothing else. And I mean, like, I'm not saying we should have sold Kane. I, I think we would be an even worse team if we didn't have Harry Kane. Um, but like we, I don't mean <laughs> Ben's making a face and be like, how could we be? Would any we? Worse? Would we? <laughs> I think we would be, um, but also like we we just didn't do anything to supplement. And so like if we had sold Kane, then maybe there are you know two a, a new attackers in there. Maybe there's a Lautaro and I don't know someone else. Um, you know I don't know. I mean I, just looking at this game, I was like I don't know how much do we have to pay Mets to get Sar to come in in January and let him just run around and be, like, the attacking winger guy. God, like, just put uh, Brian on. Like, put other Brian. Other, other Brian. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> like, I just, I just you know, it, it's, it's frustrating because it looks like Nuno has an idea of how this team, sh- he wants this team to play, but it, we don't seem capable of doing it. And I, I figure who it was in the writer's room. It might have been you, Ben, that said this, but it's just like, Annoyed that we didn't get a Dama because, like, that might have made this team fun, but at the same time, not getting a Dama made us see kind of like how shitty this whole situation is. Um, so I, I don't know. So <laughs> it would have been nice to just like, like Ben said, like to be able to have something that was enjoyable about watching this team. Yeah, I mean. Ultimately, it's not. It's and you know it may be because there's a mismatch between who Nuno is and who we're asking him to be. Like maybe the answer is for Nuno to go back to his boring back three, you know, counterattacking wolves setup. And like, yeah, we suck to watch, but like maybe we win a few games. Like maybe that's the answer. Maybe it's just let him be himself, even if it's not what we want. Because making him be the guy we want him to be is certainly not working. But in terms of, like, the squad, you're, you're right. Like, if we signed Adama, it would be the same shitty setup, but at least we have the guy who can do everything Nuno wants in a guy. And I don't know if that's worth 40 million pounds, but it's definitely worth it for me to watch it every week instead of what we're doing. Um and, you know, you say we're not worse with Harry Kane, but it's like, if, how many goals does Harry Kane have to score this season to maintain any semblance of transfer value next summer in a world where Kylian Mbappe and Holland are on the market? Like, not selling Harry Kane and reinvesting him maybe wouldn't have made us any better because we still have Nuno as our manager, but it does mean we have a lot of money and we have spent it on 
new players who are developable, sellable, and might just actually be good. You know, like, we have doubled down once again on Harry Kane carrying this team to a level that everything built around it is not capable of delivering on. So we're going to be bad this year, and then we're going to go into the summer and either nobody's going to buy Harry Kane or we're going to sell him for, like, way less money than the pittance we were offered last summer. So, And, just every and level, the guy that we didn't want, that Vlahovic guy from Fiorentina, is playing really fucking well this year. So. Well, yeah, he's quite a bunch of penalties. They don't count. <laughs> yeah, he's, not, he's Bruno, basically. Except, well, I yeah. guess Bruno doesn't score penalties anymore, so... Not anymore, no. I think we're overlooking the one positive of this game is this might trick Arsenal into keeping Arteta around for longer. So, you know. If Arteta's capable of laying this kind of beatdown on Spurs, then... Ben, it's a rebirth. Arsenal is reborn. It's like... We're fucking late-term aborted. I don't know. I'll take reborn over that. Jesus. Yeah, uh, it's just, it's just, maybe maybe Arteta will win Manager of the Month and then they'll they'll <laughs> go into a tailspin. Ugh, it's just so depressing. I just want Spurs to be fun again, like just fun. I I, I got really aggravated at some Spurs fans being like, I would take scoring a lot of goals and finishing tenth over this, and I'm like, yeah, that that would be more annoying than you think it is, and I think that's true, but I would still rather watch that than what we're seeing right now. So. I mean, we're in 11th right now. Exactly, exactly. Losing 10th and scoring goals is, is a dream. Ugh. I mean, you know, remember those remember those four threes or whatever they were? Was it 4-3 or 4-2? We had like a run of them under Jose Mourinho. Yeah, like right when he got um, here, yeah. Yeah, those, that was fun. I'm like, oh, maybe Jose will score goals under Jose. And then, of course, you know, the whole rest of Jose happened. Um, but, yeah, I would definitely take those. Four, two or four, three matches back again. So, so, what are we doing for the rest of the year to keep ourselves sane, boys? Are, are we hate watching Roma? Are we are we watching lots of Mets games? Are we uh, not not the baseball yeah, I mean, Mets, least... not the, the you know the other Mets? Uh, you know, what? How are we coping with this year? Watching Roma subsequently lose a derby match to Lazio really definitely eased the pain a little bit. Like it was just. It would have been very terrible to have to hear Jose Mourinho crow about his Derby victory in the wake of that, and seeing him him lose was a nice bomb. Yeah, I I don't know. I've been trying to watch more Liga this year, Ugh. not just for the uh, Papasar, but I don't know. I'm kind of waiting for everything to go really horribly bad at PSG. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it would be funny if it would be really funny if Pochettino's our manager in January. I just don't want that. I, I've said this on the show again uh, before. I I I don't want him back. I don't think it's a good I, idea. I think as much as I think it, it can't be worse than this. I, I am worried. It a hundred percent can't be worse than this. Because like one thing that like scares me about Pochettino is he kind of hasn't figured out how to make a midfield work. At PSG, and there's lots of like rational explanations for why he has gotten to be able to make a midfield work, but like he also has more money than God and hasn't bought a player to make it work. And I'm a little bit worried about what happens when he comes back to Tottenham Hotspur and we don't have Musa Dembele for him to play. Uh, I don't think Pochettino gets to make a lot of decisions about who PSG is or isn't buying. So that's not a criticism. I think he but... could probably get a midfielder in there who could do a little bit more work than they were getting. Yeah, right now. he definitely could have said, "Hey guys, instead of paying, you know, Sergio Ramos, however much money." Yeah, well, that's the thing. I don't think he could have. He could have said, in addition to paying Sergio Ramos, however much money, yeah. but he was never going to get that. To could not could buy we the just sign guy? somebody that does a little bit of extra effort? in the midfield and isn't a 30 however year old Ander Herrera and a 30 yeah, however gonna... year old Idris Agay. So like... I was going to say Agay, uh, Herrera and Verratti are all going to die before the year's over. So it's not good. Um, I don't know what we'll say. It's just whoever comes I mean... in part of what I'm becoming a little more convinced of is like, I thought we had a pretty good squad on paper and I'm more convinced that like whoever comes in next, I, I do think Paratici 
did a decent job at getting players in here this summer, but I do think there needs to be a lot of turnover in this team. Like, I, I think it's a, I don't know. I think there needs to be even more turnover because I think a, a lot of these guys are either washed or a problem, and I'm getting a little sick of that too. It's hard to tell given the tactics that we're using. It's a little hard to determine that, but I, I do think that there's got to be even more turnover than we've had already, and there's been quite a lot. So, I mean – we made a bunch of big signings this summer. Yep. You know, Romero, Royale, and Brian all were not on the pitch for for the Arsenal match. And I, I, that, to me, is unforgivable. Like, there's just, barring an injury, which we still haven't heard about as of Monday night, like, there's just no reason to not play those guys. Like, they have already demonstrated their superiority to their counterparts in, in the limited time they've been here. You certainly, know, certainly, a- certainly Romero. And I would have, I would have put Roy out over Tanganga, but yeah, he hasn't been here very long, whatever. This whole, like, I'm not going to play Brian Hill because he's basically a youth player shit needs to stop because, I, I mean, he can't be worse than the shit we're running out there. He's given Skip more minutes than, than Brian Hill, who's just as much of a youth player, you know, in terms of his, his stature and amount of minutes played for real, real teams. It's, it's just, Again, it's just indefensible. Like, we, Lucas Moore is bad. Stop playing him. Los Celso is good. Start playing him. Brian is good. Start playing him. Like, Tanganga, I mean, at least we're getting to see Ndombele. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's a good thing, the way that he, we, we've been getting to see him. So, I mean, again, he was fantastic, you know, for periods against Wolves and Chelsea, and we asked him to not do those things against Arsenal. So, like, what, what are we supposed to do with that? You know, and you talk about, like, not caring about a derby match. Surely Javit Tanganga should care more than anybody. But, like, he was one of the worst players on the yep. pitch. Like, just fucking play Brian or play Emerson Royale. Like, just, I agree just play with you. players, you know. Just, just play them. Like, there is a future here. We have done a lot of the squad building. So, yeah. we, have a, we have a lot of questions. Um, I, I'm not going to answer... Do we really? Yeah, we do. I'm not going to a- ask all the, uh, is Nuno going to get Well, okay, before we get to those, let's just take, is Nuno gonna get let's just take, let's take the temperature of the podcast. When will Nuno get fired, Ben? Like, not when you want him to, when do you think it'll happen? 2024. <laughs> okay, is that, is that your answer? You don't have a, a slightly more realistic? I don't, I don't feel good about anything right now. I don't feel... I don't feel like the people who made the decision are capable of admitting that they were wrong. They weren't capable of admitting they were wrong about Jose Mourinho for two years. So, like, why is anything going to be fucking different? Brian? Yeah, I I think Ben is right. Um, and barring an absolute collapse, like... Oh, you know, well, that definitely won't happen. <laughs> like, like, you know, like, we lose... I don't know, seven of the next 10 or something like that. I think we're probably stuck with Nuno at least for the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah. I I think he's going to make it to the new year, but I wouldn't lay money on him. Make it past. I do think if they fire Pochino PSC, Nuno is going to be gone the next day. I I do think that's going to happen. I'm going to be so annoyed. I mean, if we lose to Aston Villa this weekend, Nuno needs to be fired the next day. That's just no question in my mind. I, mean, I feel it, like we've done podcasts where Ben is like, if we lose this match, the manager needs to be fired. Yeah, we did it for Pochettino. And I've, been, I've <laughs> like, never said that about Pochettino. Oh, oh right. Yeah. Forgot how you're Nobody always... Nobody go back and find those podcasts. God. Uh, definitely we did that for Mourinho. It's like, if Mourinho loses to Newcastle, <laughs> Newcastle, he should be fired. And then we lost to Newcastle, and he didn't get fired. But he should have. Oh. He should have been. Yeah, it's an important distinction. So speaking of all, right. all this... Uh, every question about Nuno getting fired. I'm ready. Tottenham makes me cry, who we've actually met in person and has been a long-term listener of the podcast. He wants to know, is Dad ever coming home? He doesn't even smoke. Uh, I, I, I actually don't think we're going to hire back Pochettino. I think, I think Barcelona or someone will take him for a ride first. I think eventually we'll hire him back. I don't think it's going to be at a good point for either team or manager, but... I don't think that's going to be for a while. That not good point is right now. No, no. When he gets PSG, that's already like Pochettino. We have to get to the point where Pochettino, well, Pochettino can still get hired by a big club, like, because it's PSG. 
I, I think we need to get to the point where the bloom is a little bit more off of his rose, so. I don't know. I mean, he could still manage Argentina. He could go back and, you know, he, he's not going to manage Barcelona, I feel like. I think next year he might. But I'm not he's exactly dad. I'm not exactly sure. I mean, they've got to fire. I mean, they're going to fire Komen sooner rather than later. And I just don't know what is financially feasible for them. But it's looking like it's becoming less and less sustainable by the day. So Now, I don't think they can, they can, they're in a position to afford hiring Pochettino until at least next year. Probably not even then. Weirdly, I think Pochettino would be a good fit for broke boy Barcelona. As long as, like, management retains some level of realism about what's going on there. Which I don't think they will. So... Yeah, I'm sure Memphis Depay would love to play for Pochettino. Yeah, that that would be funny as shit. Um, Emmanuel Bryan wants to know, uh, we witnessed what a formation with no midfield looks like. Do you think Nuno plays with no strikers or defenders against Villa? I I would honestly respect Nuno if he benched Harry Kane. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... I think it would be great if we played a back line that had no defenders. Uh, you could just put Romero in there as kind of like a, a stopper defensive midfielder. You could try, um, you know, push uh, push Dyer into a defensive midfield. We could just play all of our defensive midfielders and then wing backs, And then just see what happens. Maybe that would work. Uh, my Emerson is like a, a deep wing back. Yep, there you go. Ben Davis is a deep wing back. Nah, that wouldn't work. He's too. Nah. Monty asked, would it be smart to react early in sacking Nuno like Chelsea did with Lampard, or do we do we see this out and undergo another awful managerial search? Ben? Interesting question. <laughs> um, yes, we should sack Nuno and hire fucking Greg. I don't care. <laughs> Guys, I got some what great tact- Frank Lampard. I got some great tactical plans for this team. They they all involve uh they they involve bits. We're just gonna teach the players bits. They're not gonna actually play on the on the field. They're just gonna do really stupid shit for podcasts. Let's see. Know. How bad okay, Ben Estes asks, how bad would things have to get for Spurs under Nuno and good for Jose at Roma before it becomes necessary for me to admit my Jose fan boyfriend that he was right and we shouldn't have fired him. I, it would have to get so much worse. He wants us to also give him 24 hours advance notice so he could preemptively off himself. I, I, um, I'm not really would worried have about be spontaneously relegated. Yeah. I'm not really worried about Roma, like making us regretful this year. I don't think Mourinho is going to get fired because I think they're sort of stuck. But uh, I, I'm I'm not really worried about Mourinho making. No matter how bad Nuno gets, I'm really not worried about regretting firing Mourinho. There would have to be like a Calciopoli like match fixing thing that implicates Spurs in fixing matches, which would be insane given the results we've had. That's how we and got then, rid of Mourinho. We're fixing matches for him in Italy. Right. So and then like... and then we get relegated, not only for our involvement in Calciopoli, but for doing it so poorly that we still ended up being shitty. Um, and they just send us directly to, like, League Two or something. That's the only way that we wind up regretting firing Mourinho. So what would we call this? Would it be Spursopoly? Would it be Leviopoly? Would it be something kind of anti-Semitic about Levy that I don't know enough Italian biases to come up with? Where, where do you think we'd go with a nickname for this? No, it would definitely be something. I mean, it would definitely be something Daniel Levy related, and it would probably be you know very mean to him personally, because I mean, there's also just no way that if that is happening, that Levy isn't involved in it. Um, well, I'm glad we're being rational about this, bro. <laughs> in this fake scenario, Levy's that is definitely, definitely realistic. Max Fish thing. Yeah. Yeah. Ben, perfect question, Ben. What would be your opinion if we dropped Kane for the next few games? And even if we, uh, even if the results don't improve, the style of football is much more akin to the Tottenham DNA. I'm not sure dropping Harry Kane is going to do much more than make me feel better. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it would necessarily improve the way we play. I just think Harry Kane fucking sucks right now, and I'm tired of looking at his dumb face thinking about Oasis on the pitch. So, yeah, I'd be very much in favor of dropping him. I'm not sure it would help. 
I mean, you know, the reality is, is when Harry Kane played striker against Arsenal, he was good at it. He just didn't do that and hasn't done that most of the season. That's probably the fix. But if we're going to drop Harry Kane out of, like, petty spite, like, I'm totally on board with that. Really, like petty spite is this is this podcast sort of it's what we trade in. So it's our animating purpose. Yeah, really. it's what gets us up in the morning. So um, I don't know if it would help things, but it would make me feel better. Uh, can, Spurs after dark asks, uh, can any manager actually succeed under Levy post Pochito? Yeah, I think so. Like you get the right guy in, it'll be fine. It's fine ish. Like I. Uh, the one thing that I hate, and I do think Daniel Levy is like his decision making has drastically declined in recent years. Certainly since we became a quote unquote big club, but like, let's not pretend that like we didn't hire lots of pretty good managers who did good things at Spurs before. I mean, I don't think it's crazy that we can end up with a good manager. I think it sucks that we ended up where we did this summer, but I don't think you should just assume it's going to be bad. It might be bad, but I don't think you can just assume that. Well, I think the main problem is is fans adjusting expectations. You know, Pochettino did this thing where we all shifted our expectations on what it meant for Spurs in the Premier League upwards. Like, no longer now are we just like, oh, we have to finish, you know, fourth or, or fifth and, and, you know, hope we can get into the Champions League. Now it was, okay, well, challenging for titles, competing in the Champions League, making, you know, runs of the Champions League final. Um, so, you know, for then us to hire a new manager and then that manager to come in and just be, you know, ah, we finished sixth. Like, I don't, I don't know how happy that will make fans or how successful that will feel. I think we're well and truly beaten down at this point. Yeah, and I, a guy who's going to get us back to where we started before Pochino got here is an improvement. Like we don't, I don't feel like we're going to finish sixth this season. We didn't finish sixth last season. Like, yeah, give me a guy who's going to comfortably finish sixth. I'm going to feel a lot better about things. I think Brian, if you look at that before the season started, I think even on this podcast we were pretty open minded about Nuno. We were willing. I think we were giving him a fair amount of rope before this season started. I don't think we were excited about it, but I think if you look at the sort of amount of rope we were giving him, I think any manager who comes in and gets us playing, like, kind of fun football, at least for a year or two, he's going to get some rope. Like, and I think it's I think Spurs fans are willing to tolerate that. But I do think, and we've talked about it on this podcast, we do have, like, weirdly fucked up expectations for this team now that we didn't have before. And I think long-term that's going to be a problem, like, until you get a guy who's sort of got us consistently in the Champions League again, and probably even after this, the shadow of Pochettino is going to loom large over this team. And that's going to be a problem. But if, you know, if we hired Graham Potter or whoever next season, and, you know, we finish, we're challenging for fourth, but we don't quite make it, but we're scoring goals and passing a lot, you know, I think fans are willing to forgive a lot right now. And they'll probably be willing to forgive more by the end of this shit. Now, a year or two into that, when we're, you know, like, I don't think Spurs fans would be nearly as charitable to Brendan Rodgers if he did what he's done the last two years at Leicester at the end of the season. Now, FA Cup might cover some of that up, but, you know, I think if a manager blew the blue Champions League qualification on the last day twice in a row, I think that could get a little ugly. But for the short term, I think that would be welcomed. Uh, let's see. I'm just trying to find Who else no, asked about Nuno being sacked? I'm ready. Uh, with the squ- Eugene Debs, so here you go, Ben. Uh, would be wants to know: <laughs> Would the squad be better suited with a purge, a la the first poach year, benching major players like Kane and Dyer, or are we just fucked and in between eras and pain forever? I mean, we are between eras and pain forever. I don't think this is, like, an attitude problem with the squad like it was under Poach. I mean, maybe that's also going on here. We had reports of people bitching and moaning in the press today. I think this is much more about, like, guys who just need to be moved on because they're not good enough anymore as opposed to, like, you know, Emmanuel Adebayor and Eunice Kabul have a bad attitude and they're poisoning the locker room. I don't think 
Maybe there is a nasty locker room, but I don't think that's the reason guys need to get purged. Like, the reason guys need to get purged is, like, Eric Dyer can't fucking play football well anymore. All right. First of all, his name is Eugene Dabs. Oh, I'm sorry. Needs credit for a quality, quality username. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely a case to purge a lot of elements of this team. Um, But Nuno's not the guy to do that because, like, what are we purging them in service of? When Pochettino purged guys, it was, I have a vision for this club and you are not meeting me where I want to be because you're not willing to, like, press and work hard and do the things I'm asking of you. Purging players now would just be because they're bad. And that's not really a purge solution. That's a we should do better selling garbage players. But if we like purge like the movie Lucas Mora, I wouldn't say no. I don't think if it was like purge like the movie, I don't think you'd like which side you were on with Lucas Mora. But um, I think like part of the issue is. Like, maybe there's guys at this club who need to be moved on who are very talented and just aren't good enough or aren't putting in the effort. But, like, they've all been playing under shitty... Like, maybe Ndombele can't hack it at a team like Spurs. But he's been playing under shitty managers, and I don't believe that's the case. But, like, we don't know that. And we're not going to know that till like, a good manager's here, which will probably be in five years. So, we'll see. But, yeah, I think the problem... If you're going to purge guys, it's because they suck, not because they're, like, a pain in your ass. Purge Nuno, purge Paratici, <laughs> purge Daniel Levy. There you go. Purge all the decision makers who have led us down this road. Let's see. Support the workers, Eugene Dabs. Yeah, there we go. Um, K-City wants to know, is any of this different from the end of Poacher or Mourinho? It's mostly the same players. I don't love Nuno and dislike Moo, but aren't we really just scapegoating these guys at this point? I I don't think so. I mean, yeah, I mean, it is the same guys, but uh, the problems are different in a way. The, you know, the lack of application now is a different type of lack of application than what we saw under Mourinho and Pochettino. So, you know, while it's still lack of application, it's just different people doing it and in different dumb ways. Um, but at least Hugo Lloris keeps being pretty good. That's it. Uh, Tyler Bellstrom. Belst- yeah, Bellstrom wants to know, are we the new Arsenal? The fan base uh, hasn't seemed to have shed the Moo people, and we expect to be as good as Chelsea. I don't think – I think Spurs at fans, maybe they have, like, shitty expectations for where they want to be. But, like, I do not think – like, the problem with Arsenal fans is they spent about a decade thinking finishing top four – was a, the same kind of achievement as winning the league undefeated. And they had the benefit of a sort of gentle decline where they were able to convince themselves that losing to Barcelona in the Champions League was the reason they weren't challenging in Europe and not the fact that they sucked and Wenger was past it and all this other shit. We, like, got this close to the mountaintop and then fell off the fucking mountain. I think most Spurs fans have a pretty realistic understanding of where the club is. Maybe they have an unrealistic understanding of what we could like turn the club into, but in the short term. But I don't know. I, I feel like Arsenal fans were fairly delusional about their club until a year or two ago, and you know, I don't know. I, I feel like most Spurs fans are at least clear-eyed about where we are, if not where they want us to be. Yeah, Arsenal fans have definitely a level of delusions of grandeur. I think even still that is not really comparable to, to Spurs. Like, even while they were, like, scraping to fourth place every year, they felt like that was just all they needed before they won the league and the Champions League double the following season. And, like, we've never been that deluded. And it makes our fall maybe worse, maybe better, but at least more self-aware. I am deeply angry at everyone involved in the club over the last few years that we have not, like, been able to maintain what we were doing under Pochettino for a few more years. So when Arsenal's, like, sitting in eighth, we are in the Champions League and we could really be enjoying 
and it really irritates me that we we can't enjoy it as much as we otherwise would someday we'll find joy guys someday when when will that be just let our listeners know because that could be a problem for that uh, I think it'll be like March 31st, 2028. Yeah, it'll be next week when we beat Aston Villa, and I'm like, guys, Nuno's figured it out. I think <laughs> I think he's got it. Ben, is that a Nuno tattoo on your face? That's what we'll be asking next <laughs> week. Score like six goals all in the first half. Mm-hmm. Harry Kane will have five of them. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, on that note, I think it's time to wrap it up. Ben, where can people find you on the internet? I want to know, how will you react to a comprehensive victory over Aston Villa? I, I mean, mean, I'll enjoy it. Nature... I will enjoy it. I, I am ready to take my joy where I can get it right now with Spurs. I will be very happy and not expect more until I see it. Yeah. The nature of this is we get to be reactionary because we have to talk about this every week. Well, not have to, but we choose to talk about this every week. And uh, so, so I'll be very excited and ready to give him a four-year contract extension. I mean, I'll look for positives, but, like, it's going to take more than a victory against Aston Villa to turn me around on this. Uh, Aston Villa just got a great result this week. I don't know if you know. So, it would basically, by transitive property, mean that we're better than Manchester United? Well, yeah. I mean, we might still have we a knew better that. Man- we might still have a better manager than United, so, like, there's at least that going for us, but... Boy, I, I hate to think that's the case because that would really be an indictment of how terrible our entire squad is. Ben, where can people find you on the internet? Oh, well, you can find me on TikTok and Twitter at Comrade Spurs. Brian, where can people find you on TikTok teaching kids what to do with Salvia? Um, I mean, Salvia is so, like... <laughs> 10 years ago um but whatever i mean we've moved on and you know just uh test your stuff kids test it it's very important um be safe uh but anyway um you can find me on twitter at brian underscore ashlock that is brian with a y okay and you can find me retweeting brian's tips for the children because brian ashlock is for the kids uh, you can find me doing that at Skipjack0079. And, of course, you can follow our podcast at WDR Podcast. That's at WDR Podcast, as in Wheeler Dealer Radio. For Ben, for Brian, for uh, Brett Rainbow, and for all the children out there, I've been your host, Greg. Come on, you Spurs. <laughs>